Welcome to The Fizzle Show. I'm Corbett Barr, and this is our podcast about earning a living independently, doing something you really care about. And today is a very special episode because it's our first new member-focused Friday episode. Every Friday, we'll be publishing a new episode featuring questions from Fizzle members, along with occasional success stories and live coaching. This is being recorded live with Fizzle members in the audience. And if you're not familiar with Fizzle membership, head over to fizzle.co and you'll see that we offer live courses, coaching, community, and resources for people like you building small but meaningful businesses. If you'd like to join us or get your question featured on an upcoming podcast episode, we would love to see you inside of Fizzle soon. And today I am joined by the full Fizzle team, including Jen Rayow. Hi, Jen. Hello. And also Joe Kearns. Hey, Joe. Hey there. Aiden Fishbein as well. Hi, Aiden. Hi, guys. Thank you all for being here. And uh, we have some fantastic questions from Fizzle members today. So let's jump right into it. Jen, what's our first question today? Okay, first question is actually from someone who's in our live audience today. So a current current fizzler named Leonard, uh, his website is italianwithleo.com, and he has a two-part question. So would you say that my why has to be a part of my brand and social media efforts? Should I, for example, let my audience know that I wish to be more free, make a larger impact, and move back to my home country? Is it relevant to why I want to help them? And then the second question is, if you have tips on finding your why and your calling, please bring them on. I love you guys. Awesome. We love you too, Leonard. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Jen, as well. Uh, That was Leonard, and his website again is? Italianwithleo.com. Awesome. Um, So this, this is a great question. I love this because there's some amount of why I think we can all agree that there's some amount of why that is relevant to sharing with your audience, because we all like to buy things from people that we connect with, who we trust, who we feel closer to. Um, and just in general, people that we, we think are, are cool and we're supporting. So that's important, right? But on the other hand, I think that there is, um, there's a debate here that we can have as to how much why you should lead with. Because mm. personally, when I go looking for a product, I tend to be more um, self-centered at first. Mm-hmm. I tend to be looking for things that are going to suit whatever problem, need, or desire I have at the moment. And then when I start kicking the tires on something, I think that's when, if I come across somebody's why, if it resonates with me, then I might be more connected and more right. likely to buy this thing. Yeah, yeah. Now, of course, there are cases where uh, I buy products all the time that don't have a person's why or personal interests or whatever behind the scenes for me to take a look at. So it's not necessary. And also there are probably times when I come across somebody's why, uh, you know, their background story or whatever, and then I'm not necessarily connected to it, or maybe it turns me off a little bit. Or it's unrelated so, yeah, to the product. Yeah. So it's unrelated or, or whatever. Um, can, can you all think of times when you have, been persuaded one way or another because of someone's why or their personal story or background? Uh, when I joined Fizzle and I found out that Corbett, <laughs> <I'll>, <laughs> seriously though, when I found Shameless out that, 
No, shameless, but so true. When I started reading more about Fizzle, aside from the value that I got from the first download that I got, for me, it was finding out that Corbett traveled part time, like he traveled to Mexico six months of the year. And I looked at that and I was like, wow, like our values line up like he wants to travel and build a meaningful business. I'm on board with that. Honestly, I mean that with all my heart, like that was huge for me to learn that about you before I joined. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great example. Um, and I think that's a case where we feel like the thing that we're selling is so intertwined with the dream itself. And it's important for the, um, people behind the business to be living that dream, right. Mm -hmm. To be walking the walk and not just talking the talk. Mm -hmm. So in Leonard's case, where he is teaching people Italian, I think it, it might depend on how much his potential customers are aligned with the kind of lifestyle that Leonard is trying to live himself. Yeah, mm -hmm. 100%. And I think one of the things um, that I've done in, in that situation is it's really hard for me to tell how much of that my audience wants unless I actually have some real close communication with them. Um, and usually I only, I only find that out through actually you know, either telephonic or like in-person communication. Um, and one of the interesting things, so I'm a, I'm a big Simon Sinek junkie. So this is kind mm -hmm. of to your, your second point, Leonard, which is how to, how to find your why. Uh, but Simon Sinek has a book called uh, start with why, um, that I'm sure many of our listeners are pretty familiar with, but then there's a follow-up book that was written by some of his biggest, um, like students, I guess. Then he partnered with them. The second book is called Find Your Why. Um, so there's really good strategies and tips and trips. There's just a whole layout about that. Um, and that's what you would do once you figure out kind of that first aspect, in my opinion, which is, um, yeah, how much, how much of your why does your audience want to, um, to kind of engage in? And maybe you need to find out what your why is very clearly so you can have that conversation with your audience first. And, and for people who haven't um, seen that, there's a great video that Simon Sinek did yeah, as TED a TEDx talk mm -hmm. uh, where he has a, a flipboard and he's actually you know using a marker to kind of illustrate his points about Start With Why. And in his case, he's talking about huge companies and how if you lead with why you're doing this thing in the first place, you can make a deeper connection with your audience. But I think that there's some, maybe some savvy that has to be at play there because you still have to remember that the audience has a problem, need, or desire that you have to solve. And I think that the whole start with why premise assumes that you're solving that problem well to begin with. Correct. And that you have a really compelling product. Mm. So just having why is probably not enough. You might be able to convince some people, but if they connect with your why and then it turns out that your product isn't actually solving their problem, they're going to feel like they were kind of shorted there, right? Correct. Yeah, uh-huh, 100%. There's, yeah, there's two parts of this that jump out to me right away also. If, if your why is so focused around just the things that you yourself want to accomplish, that is not a bad thing necessarily, but that's probably not going to resonate with your audience if they don't see themselves in it or if they can't really contribute to that why in any meaningful way. Because, for example, Leonard brings up here, uh, should I let them know that... I wish to be more free and I wish to move back to my home country. I mean, those might be something that having a successful business are going to allow you to do and they might be part of your why, but it's probably unlikely that sharing that with your audience is going to motivate them or inspire them more to join your language learning program if it's not really relevant. So make yeah, sure they'll that, care more about you, but maybe not your product. 
Right. You know, and like you said, we have to have the buy-in. If you're a personal brand, then maybe you're opened up a little bit more to talk about your personal goals with that, even if they don't align for the business. But one thing that I'm concerned about lately is how many people have started looking at quote unquote authenticity as kind of like a marketing trick. So when it comes to sharing your why, I would almost say don't do it unless you can't not do it. Like you're so inspired to tell people your why and it's so important and critical to where you're at right now that you don't risk stumbling into that fake authenticity of feeling like, oh, I'm supposed to have a why. I should talk about this. How do I find my why so I can talk about it? You know, it's, I think in, make it something that is almost more painful not to do because you're so excited about it rather than something that you feel like is part of your marketing arsenal. Yeah, you, you have to be careful with anything in, mar in marketing, especially related to authenticity, that it doesn't come off inauthentic because people have um, fairly finely tuned BS meters these mm -hmm. days. And uh, if they sense that a brand is pandering to them, then it's often a turnoff. So it kind of depends. I think there's also a big difference between um, having a why that is a bigger picture and that is inclusive of your audience versus having a why that is fairly personal. Like in my case, when I tell my story about um, traveling and, and being able to live in other countries for part of the year while I run my business, it's because I'm projecting that out and wanting that dream to exist for other people as well. Jen, you know, lives in a tiny home, which is amazing and is able to travel around Canada. Aiden just spent six months over in Europe. Uh, six and weeks. Joe does, Joe, <laughs> Joe six does, weeks. Sorry, six weeks. About like and, six months. <laughs> and Joe does whatever he does down in Austin. I mean, we all have different. <laughs> I just sweat profusely all the time. Yeah. But I'm right. free to do that. Um, but I think if your if your dream is too personal, then you run the risk of maybe turning people off. Let me give a, a concrete example really quick because this is um, something that I just thought about with the new business that we're running called Palapa, which is an online community discussion platform. Um, if you head over to the about page there, palapa.co/about, I tell a little bit of a story in there about how inside of Fizzle, we tried a lot of different community and discussion platforms. And we actually demoed these. We tried them with small groups and so on. And um, we just couldn't find something that really worked for us. And so we decided to start building our own. And I tell this just in a sort of matter of fact way, but this really is our why. It just turns out that this is the reason that we created this thing. We couldn't find any software that we liked. So we decided to make our own. When I hear from customers, I just heard from one today who quoted almost exactly this. He said, I, I read your story about why you created this thing. And I've gone through the exact same problem. I tried all of these different things and they just didn't work for me. And when it came across Palapa, it really fit. So if there are a bunch of people out there who have the same kind of history as you or the same deep seated need that can be filled not only by your product, but also by the life that you're living because of the product, then I think it makes sense to share your why up front. Yeah. Yeah. And the last, last just tiny consideration is it's just as inclusive as it is exclusive. Um, so, so you are pushing people away, hopefully the right people. You're pushing away the right people and you're bringing in and reinforcing bonds with the other right people. So um, yeah, it's a good thing to consider because Corbett, I'm sure that there's 
Um, there's plenty of people that are not good fits for Palapa that you would rather not have as, as customers of the platform that, uh, that find their solutions elsewhere, rightly so. Um, but in this situation, we're attracting the proper people that, do, that it does fit perfectly like a glove. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, thanks, Leonard, for the question. And uh, what's next, Jen? Okay. The next question I, I scooped up from our forums. I had a chat with Sue today and she was really excited about me using her question. So thanks, Sue. Uh, Sue is a ceramic artist and she teaches about consistent glaze results and she is crushing it with her first two launches of her online course. Um, And she's looking for different ways to collect testimonials about her online course. So this is her quote. Uh, I made the mistake of waiting too long last launch uh, because the launch kicked my ass energy wise. And when I finally asked about testimonials, there wasn't much response because no one was actively taking the Mm. course or even recently finished. I don't want to make the same mistake because I think testimonials would have helped me with this second launch, which went well, but not quite as well as the last. I'm wondering how long I should wait to ask and whether there are more creative ways to ask than simply sending a link to SurveyMonkey, which is my current plan. Could there be something in it for them, a way to entice them to provide thorough, honest feedback? I know my course is changing lives because they're telling me this during our live calls, and I want to politely get it on the record, but I'm feeling super awkward about it. I love this. First of all, if we can just recognize how amazing uh, Sue's business is and mm-hmm. how specific it is, which is, which is the perfect example of a niche. And I know this, we're not going to go down a whole tangent about, uh, choosing a niche right now, but, uh, I just want to point out that Sue isn't just a general artist or helping artists feel good about themselves or whatever. She is a specific kind of artist, which is a ceramic artist. And the thing that she teaches isn't just ceramics in general, but it's glazing for ceramics. And she has found that there are enough people out there who want to get better at glazing their ceramics that she can actually teach online courses and earn a living from it, which is just tremendous. Um, what's Sue's website, by the way, Jen? SueMcLeodCeramics.com. She's awesome. also a fellow Canadian. I'm a big fan of Sue. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a big fan of Canadian entrepreneurs, yes. as are we. Um, great. This is, this is an excellent question. Does somebody want to start out? I just wanted to plug Sarah Peck's article. I mean, I think she nails it. We have an article on the Sparkline by Sarah Peck entitled Four Questions to Get Great Testimonials and Reviews. Um, And just the synopsis is that you really do need to help um, your people get these good things out of them. They're not, um, this is not second nature to them to write these things. She offers some really, really good ways to help help get that. So definitely take a read of that. We'll, We'll make sure that that link is in the show notes. And um, for show notes to this episode and any others, you can head over to fizzleshow.co and uh, you just need to know the episode number. In this case, this is episode 335. So head over to fizzleshow.co, look for episode 335, and you'll find the show notes there, including uh, links to the websites that we're talking about, as well as a link to that article from the Sparkline by Sarah Peck. And I'll, I'll just echo that, Aiden, because the way that you ask for testimonials really shapes the kinds of testimonials that you get back. So not only when you ask for them, how you ask for them, but also the specific questions that you ask people 
um, will, will definitely influence the kinds of testimonials that you get back. And what that means is if you feel like you haven't gotten good testimonials in the past, um, Jen, what is going on over there? I just got to say, Jen, <laughs> did you find like a dead rat or something? It's a You're... spider. A, sp- a spider. Oh, no. <laughs> like a really big spider. I just, I just swished it away. Sorry. Oh, we have to put this on YouTube. You, you had me feeling creeped out. I couldn't, I just couldn't focus anymore. <laughs> Creepy. So, um, You know, step one for testimonials is always having a great product and having a great relationship with your customers, right? The better the product, the better experience, the better connection that you made with your customers, the better testimonials you're going to get. And I will say that if you are doing all of those things, if you have a really strong relationship with your customers and your product is actually changing their situation, helping them deeply with that problem, need, or desire that they have, you will get some testimonials without asking, Eventually, Mm -hmm. maybe Mm -hmm. not right away, but that's, that's a great sign that you're doing a good job when people reach out with over email, um, or whatever, and just say, Hey, I just wanted to let you know that X, Y, and Z happened to me because of your thing. And I'm so thankful for it. And that's great. But you'll also find that there are all kinds of people out there with amazing things to say who aren't just going to offer it up. They're not just going to say, you know, Hey, I thought your thing was great. Um, or vice versa. Another great way to get testimonials besides just asking for a testimonial is simply to send out a survey, which is something that we did recently. Joe, you crafted a survey for uh, The Fizzle Show, and we got a bunch of amazing feedback, including a bunch of testimonials, because we Mm -hmm. had some questions in there about, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us? And people had these really great things to say. I think um, maybe you can share with people what was in that, the questions that we asked in there. But I think that in addition to that, we could have added some specific testimonial-like questions if we wanted to. That wasn't the purpose of that survey, right. but we did hear a bunch of really great things back. Yeah, and even, you know, that I think you opened up a, a big can of worms in a good way right there that when you deliver the value to your customers, there a lot of them are looking for uh, the opportunity to thank you and to share it with you. So when we put a survey out there like that, we even just have some open-ended questions. Is there anything else you'd like to share the people who really have something to say, a lot of them will just organically share it with you. Um, if you are trying to focus in and elicit more testimonials, then I definitely agree with Corbett that you do need to you know, explicitly give people the opportunity uh, to share that feedback with you. But the one thing that, that Sue asks in this question that was like a, sp- a real specific part of it about, you know, should we or should I incentivize people to give them a reason to give feedback? I actually would really dissuade people from doing that because you don't want somebody to feel like um, they're almost being bribed into giving positive feedback. Because if you've delivered a really good result and they want to share it with you, if you're trying to give them something in return, I think a lot of times that can almost feel like you're taking away their ability to do something nice for you. And a lot of people enjoy uh, being able to give you a testimonial to tell you about how you've changed their life. I mean, Sue even says people are telling her, like, I know my course is changing lives because people are telling me on the live calls. Right. Yeah. I mean, there that's basically an open invitation to ask more. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, they're they're giving you uh, an impromptu organic testimonial that way. And if you're to reach back out even to those people just to get started to build your confidence a little bit more, I think that just about everybody would be so excited to uh, to give you a formal 
testimonial and to put it out there that you'd be shocked at how that seems like a value add for them rather than it's not so much of an ask like, hey, can you do me a favor? It's it's almost like, hey, would you mind sharing more of your story? This is so awesome. We love seeing people like you that have come in, taken the course and gotten great results. Um, you know, that actually can probably build a lot more connection than you'd think. So I really wouldn't wouldn't think you need to incentivize those people. And um, just just briefly on testimonials, we're just kind of talking about them like everybody knows what they are and why they matter. <laughs> a testimonial is is just a nice thing that someone says about the experience they had with you or your product. And the reason we use them is because they work. People, when they come to your website and they're evaluating your product or service as something that they might purchase, they have these questions. They have these potential objections. And one of the common objections is, okay, but how do I know this actually works, right? Mm -hmm. you, you say all this great stuff about it, but how do I know that it works? How can I trust and you? And one way to, to convince them that it works is to present what other people say. Um, and, and that's a natural human process. If you wanted to know about something, like you might ask your friends, like, hey, have you ever tried those like Blue Apron packaged meals? Like, what do you think about them? And, you know, if you find somebody who has, then that's enough to go on. And if you are on someone's website and there are testimonials right there, you might not have to go off and search, especially if it's a, a more niche product that you wouldn't find someone who had used. Um, I would love, uh, actually, if we don't mind, Aiden, could you actually just share the questions that Sarah has in her article here? This is, again, an article from Sarah Peck, who is a longtime friend of Fizzle. She's been on the Fizzle show before, and um, she's done a really great job at getting testimonials in the past. And she has four questions that you can ask once you send a little email to people um, asking for a testimonial, then these are the four questions that you can ask them. Yeah, yeah. And and also she she gives you the email. She gives you a little script uh, that you can just simply copy and paste and change um, to actually do this. So in addition to that, she she does have these four questions and they're they're simple questions, but they're really good and they each get at different roots. Um, but yeah, question one is what did you appreciate most about working together or my product? Um, question two, how would you explain our work? or process to someone who is thinking about doing it. So how would you actually do this for, you know, that peer to peer, um, opportunity, right? Uh, question number three, what was your biggest aha moment during the process? How do you feel that you transformed or changed as a result? I really like that one because, um, you're getting at the root of this, having them describe the problems solution as you prescribed it, mm -hmm. which is really, really important. Because um, obviously, you know, everything could be good, but if it didn't actually work, you know, um, that's not that's it's not the product for me. Uh, and then the final question, who was the, uh, who is this perfect for? Would you describe that person? So those are the four questions. Um, there's great considerations behind those, but that's, uh, that's definitely a good place yeah, to start. And, and Sarah does a, a great job in here of sharing the kinds of answers that you might get back to each of these. And and there's a lot of thought into why these four questions, I mean, first of all, it makes it easier for someone to provide a testimonial because sometimes if you reach out and you say, Hey, could you give me a testimonial? People freeze, right? They're like, uh, what is that? What does that mean? And then if they do follow through on it, a lot of times they end up giving you just really sugar coated kinds of 
of answers that come off really cheesy. And what you want is a more honest, almost like you're asking a friend again, Hey, what did you think about that product? And your friends like giving you what they really think and not just the high level stuff, but also some of the nitty gritty, what it was actually like to work with this product so that as people are reading this testimonial, they can envision themselves going through that process or using that product and, and what it might be like for them. It's all, Thank just you. A, sorry, oh, one, ahead, one just quick thing uh, that popped into mind, something that I that can be overlooked a lot is it's especially effective if in those testimonials, people say what some of their concerns or objections or some of their hangups were before they started and then how that was addressed, you know? So if they're like, you know, I was really worried that I wasn't going to have the time to put into this, but you know, they got, they had this quick start guide and I realized right away that I was going to be able to fit it in, you know, any way that they can kind of address some of their own objections, then that's a great way of being able to overcome other people's objections who might share that same concern or that they might be, you know, very relatable to, uh, in the audience. So just another little idea. Love it. Thank you so much to Sue for the question. And thanks again to Jen and Joe and Aiden for co-hosting with me today. And thanks to you for being here. Again, you can find the show notes, including links to the businesses we talked about today over at fizzleshow.co slash 335. We'll be back next week with an in-depth conversation on Tuesday, followed by another Member Focus Friday Q&A episode. Until next time, thanks for listening to The Fizzle Show. Fizzle Show.